0: Hello, my fellow Freedomologists. I am so excited to bring you this next installment of the Freedomology podcast. Our guest today is a woman whose indomitable spirit and unwavering faith is an inspiration. This interview was actually one of the first interviews recorded for the Freedomology podcast, but I am learning as I age to listen to my gut. And my spirit said, hold on to this one. Don't air it yet. And I know that I've, you know, every month we've gone by and I've wanted to air this. And as the Olympics were going forth, I thought, oh, this might be a good month. But then again, I thought, no, I'm holding it. And so I'm I'm trusting my gut on this. I believe that you are going to find so much inspiration, motivation, encouragement in this interview, please enjoy my conversation with Tara bradham Denai. Welcome back everyone to another episode of Freedomology. My guest today is Tara bradham Deny. She was a premier athlete, Tara the terror. I love that. I love that chapter, by the way. I'm going to read you her bio before I just start babbling like a fool. Tara Bradham is an author, speaker, podcast host, and fitness coach. She's also been a Spanish teacher, a swimming coach, a journalist, and a travel vlogger. After growing up in Round Rock, Texas, she swam for the University of Arkansas and for Texas A&M University before heading to South America on a year of missions with the world race. That's super cool. God added another plot twist to her life when she met the man of her dreams who happened to be from Montana. She moved to Montana with the man of her dreams and has recently relocated in Washington State. Tara's deepest passion is for others to know her extraordinary God who makes every day a miraculous adventure. And her book is entitled Swimming for Freedom. Let me tell you something, guys. I got the book. Anyone who follows my Instagram feed, you're not getting this interview the day after I opened the book, obviously. but. I literally cut the package open yesterday. I did an unboxing for Instagram. (laughs) And then I crawled into bed and fell into a coma. And then I woke up this morning and started reading this. And I'm like, I'm already, I'm in there. It's just so interesting. The storytelling is just seamless. You're sitting here in the room with me having a conversation. I love that kind of writing. And I'm trying really hard not to spoil it by going to the end and reading the finish. I'll Um, try not to as well. This is going to be my summer my summer Saturday reading on the weekend. It'll be done before the weekend is out. So welcome, and thank you so much for agreeing to be here with me today on the show.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited for what you're doing with this whole thing. So I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Julie.
0: Awesome. So tell us a little bit of your story. I, if I try to tell it, I will wreck it, and I only know about the first 15 years worth. So how about you give our audience a cold note of your experience as a swimmer, you know, sort of a primo athlete and your journey to where you are now.
1: I should share the ending though, right? As I don't know. I don't know if I want you to spoil it for me.
0: Well, tell us, just tell us. You
1: could, okay, you could. I'll start. And then you ask some questions through it. So I was very good, very young at swimming, just fell into it. You read the chapter where just a lifeguard at a neighborhood pool said, hey, do your kids swim? And so my brother and I just fell into this sport and I was super competitive and went to the top. And by the time I was 10, I was, they have age groups in USA swimming. And so in the 10 and under, I was the fastest swimmer my age in the country in three different events. And I held that until 12, almost 13. And so at that point you're talking, you know, some people go or make try to go to the Olympics around 15 years old. And so you're not that far off So that was the dream. That was what I was shooting for. And that's where the title of the book comes from. And since this is a Freedomology podcast is that I love horses. And when I started getting good, my mom was like, if, or I asked her, I said, well, if I go to the Olympics, will you buy me a horse? And she was like, oh, sure. I'm like, no, 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 really? Like, let's make a deal here. (laughs) Can I get a horse? And she was like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so let's Specifics, do I have to win or do I have to make the team? And she's like, If you make the Olympic team, I will buy you a horse. And so I was always going to name this horse Freedom. And so that's where it comes from swimming for freedom, swimming for this Olympic dream. That's what everything in my life revolved around. Mm -hmm. And then right before I turned 13, I had a terrible accident at the end of a race. I hate losing. And so I threw myself into the wall and didn't know it at the time but but tore some stuff off the bone and then things started going downhill really fast from there so it ended up being a seven-year journey of downfall crazy misdiagnoses to the point of you were on track hopefully to go the olympics you know who would have knows what would have happened but it looked like i was on track to curled up begging to die fighting thoughts of suicide because of the pain I was in because I had no answers, because I felt like the God I believed and trusted in had betrayed me. So I'll leave it there and you can ask me what you want to hear next. Yeah. So I did sneak ahead and
0: I I caught that part where you were, you know, where you were in that state of really deep depression and begging God for answers and feeling like you just wanted to take your life. So tell me, what was it that pulled you out of that dark place? How did you come back from that?
1: So a few things. It's actually interesting. I just had a phone call with a friend who is going through something similar now and she's in this place and she said, Tara, you know, you had, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but you had a surgery that ended up finding what was really, really wrong and got, you know, 90% of your health restored. And so if you hadn't have had that surgery, could you have found freedom in the midst of that pain? And You know, I think you can't answer that question, right? There's so much mystery because really, I believed that I had trusted God on a promise and he had not come through for me. And so I have a life promise in Jeremiah 33, six through nine, where he says, I will bring health and healing to you. I will rebuild you as you were before. And I will you enjoy abundant peace and security. I will forgive all your sins against me. And then you will bring me renown, glory, praise and honor before all the nations on earth that hear what I do for you, and they will tremble in fear and be in awe of the abundant peace and prosperity I provide for you. As about Jerusalem, I felt like God said, this is my promise for your life in the beginning of college. And so I am all in or all out kind of person. And so I was like, this is the promise. Clearly, every nation means the Olympics. And but, you know, bare minimum, even if I'm misunderstanding that, there is every nation will tremble in fear and be in awe of abundant peace and prosperity me being 19 years old, having lost all quality of life with pain 24 seven from my shoulder to my hand, that is not abundant peace and prosperity. Right. I was like, you know, I could have quit swimming. Every doctor said, if you would just quit swimming, you would be fine. And I went back to swimming because I believed that was what God had told me to do. And so I'm like, I'm either crazy, God doesn't exist. And it seems so crazy looking back at this now, but I think all of us do this where we, we put God in our perspective and we say, but you didn't come through here. So if you didn't come through here, either I misunderstood you or you're not real. You know, that's kind of, or I'm crazy, right? And hearing voices and everything else. I feel like God does know your breaking point in a sense. And I think he's a drama king. I mean, just read the Bible. <laughs> you know, it's like he let me get to the very rock bottom where I turned off a light switch and keeled over, unable to breathe for probably 30 seconds to a minute. And 19 years old, can't turn off a light switch. Well, three days later, we went to Denver for that surgery where they ended up finding, guess what? Your arm was degenerating inside you for a while. And so I got a a very real sense of a miracle in that way. It wasn't the miracle I thought, and that's a lot of the book as well. But I think looking back now, I have the maturity and perspective to say, man, if I were to get diagnosed with something now, even unto death, I believe that God would give me freedom in that. But I don't know if I was in that place. I I don't know. And I think those are some things that we can't answer. And I totally forgot the original question, but I'm trying (laughs) to get back to there. That's okay.
0: Yeah, The original question was, what was it that pulled you out of that dark place? Because the reality is, you know, like I'm a psychotherapist and I work with people sometimes, you know, all day. Not all of my clients have had some sort of a workplace injury or a motor vehicle accident or sports injury, but the majority of my practice is working with people who deal with chronic illness, chronic pain, uh, debilitating injury from which they will never attain 100% recovery, right? So I hear these stories of people saying, you know, the pain is so debilitating, I can't stand it. I just want to die. It's not that I want to kill myself. It's just that I can't imagine living like this for the rest of my life. Some of them bounce back from that. And some of them get stuck in that mindset of this is my life and it's horrible. And so now I'm going to look through my entire world through the lens of my pain. And I, I'm I'm not going to bounce back from it. So what was that? I mean, I caught part of that. I love that promise that you quoted in, in Jeremiah. I think healing doesn't always look like what we think Mm -hmm. it's going to look like. Absolutely. Right? So yeah, tell me a little bit about your experience in that.
1: Yeah. So part of that I would say is I I did have a lot of that pain taken away and I don't want to downplay that for people who are still in that awful place every day of wanting to die. I will say now because I wasn't fully a hundred percent either. Like I still have some nerve damage and some crazy things that go on. And I, like you, I run a ministry for people who live in chronic pain. So I I see the worst of the stories and I, I get it. I think you have to find something outside yourself. And I know not everyone in here, you know, shares my faith, but you have to find something outside your problem. And it seems so counterintuitive, but even amidst my worst pain, I was really involved in an organization called Horses for Healing that helped kids with special needs ride horses with therapy riding. And I remember just being in so much pain going there. And it's like, I got my mind off of it. It realized that there are other people in this world who need some help too, and I can still help them. And so you're like, man, I, you know, I have this much energy because my body's falling apart. I don't have time to go serve someone else. I think it's how we're wired. I think it's how God made the world personally, that when you get outside of yourself, then you see the world differently. And so I think, like you said, if you get into this tornado box and this is my world and it's these four walls and I can't leave and this is my pain, it just turns to bitterness. But if you say, you know what, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to believe that there, there is, something deeper at work here and I still have purpose and my life still has meaning. And maybe I can only do 1% of what that CEO of that company is doing, but I can do that 1% and I can live a faithful life and fulfill the destiny that I was put on this earth to live. And we get trapped in that comparison, I think is part of the issue as well, but you can still do something. I mean, if you're in a wheelchair, I mean, look at Johnny Erickson Tata, right? Like, I mean, you know, you can be completely bound to your bed, And you could mentor someone for the 15 good minutes a day that you have. And I know that sounds crazy, but I've seen it. And I mean, God can still change the world through that. And so I think God pulled me out of it because as you'll see in the rest of the book, just re-understanding the mystery of God and grappling with him and hanging on like Jacob held on in that wrestle until you're like, no, I, I want your blessing. I want your favor. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But I think sometimes we let go and God didn't let go of us, right. but we let go of him and we didn't hang on long enough and wrestle with him long enough to see the completion of that.
0: Good points. I love that. And it is so true. You know, a lot of what, what we do sometimes when we're talking about chronic pain management, when we run groups in our practice, we get people to pair up in buddy systems and, and to remind each other to eat and, you know, check in on your buddy and see if they've gone to the gym today or maybe work it out so you can go to the gym together And just by pouring a little bit of yourself into someone else's life, you start to heal. Like those Mm -hmm. wounds in your heart, those emotional wounds start to stitch themselves back together. Because I honestly feel like, and, and I'd love it for you to speak to this, but I honestly feel like when people lose their mobility and they lose, you know, whether it's full mobility that's lost or just range of motion, and it's coupled with pain, they're A sense of purposelessness tends to pervade their psyches. It's like, well, I'm no good for anything anymore. You know, if I was a nurse before and now I can't lift over my head or I was a flight attendant and I I can't reach for things and I can't lift above a certain weight and I can't bend over because I have a hip injury, whatever, then it's like, well, if I can't be who I was, then I can't be anything, you know, and I don't think that's true at all. Because we're not just one thing. We're such multifaceted human beings that there has to be something that you can contribute. And when people find that, I think it renews that sense of purpose and helps them to heal. So it sounds like that was part of your journey as well.
1: I think lies breed in isolation too. And so I think that's a dual thing, right? You have to be around people because otherwise you're just going to compare yourself to other people, compare yourself to you, all of that. So that's one thing. But yeah, I think destinies and your purpose, it's never just for you, what's going on in your life. And so it's like, for me, I'm like, well, how could God use this for someone else? For someone who doesn't believe in God, it's like, this isn't just about me. Like, how could your story help someone else? And that's going to give you purpose. I mean, just as an example, I thought I was going to speak to athletes. That was going to be the calling on my life now I'm running a ministry for people who live in chronic pain. (laughs) Like I know more, I should have seen it coming, but I know more saw that coming than anything. And yet God knew back when that 12 year old tore her shoulder, he saw that whole trajectory. And was like, actually, you know what? I, this isn't about swimming. And it's funny because everyone's like, oh, it's an athlete book. And I'm like, ah, not, (laughs) not not really. You know, swimming is the context that shaped my life, but it's so much more than that. And just those little pieces in your story that maybe you've never put together who knows maybe it's you knitting hats for babies like i mean whatever it is it might and i i don't want to downplay that loss and i'm sure you deal with the the grieving mourning of whatever that is the mobility the pain there is a loss and we do need to grieve that and i don't think you can move forward with this fake like oh but it's okay because i have like acknowledged what's been lost but then say, you know what, but there's still this and God still has a plan for my life and I, I can still be used for their people.
0: Yeah. One of the things I encourage my clients to do is to stop saying, I can't do that anymore. I went to do this and I can't, I couldn't do it. And then five minutes later, they're telling me that they did it. <laughs> you know, that mindset of, I can't, I can't to switch that to, I can still do this, but I just have to do it differently. Right. I can compensate in other ways. You know, like if you have a shoulder injury, you know, dual shoulders and it's hard for, you know, it's hard to do that thing that you have to do with the sheets when you're making the bed, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, where you flip the sheets up. Like for some people, that's excruciating. And then they say, well, I can't make the bed like I used to. And Yeah, but you can still make the bed. It might take you an extra 15 minutes, but you can still do it. So instead of focusing on all the things that you've lost, focus on the ways that you can still accomplish the goals that you have. Start with something as simple as making a bed. And then you'll yeah. notice that you can do other things. You can, you can accommodate yourself for how you cook. You don't have to stand over the cutting board and chop things, you can sit, right? You can get a food processor that'll chop the stuff for you. You know, there are ways that you can work around this so that you can still feel like you're productive and that you're contributing and that makes so much of a difference for people who really are convinced a lot of the time that they'll never get
1: past
0: the losses that they've you know that they've seen through the injury that they
1: sustained it starts in our mind right it has to start there a book i just read that's incredible it's called the girl and five brave horses i don't know if you've heard of it she dove horses like off these huge platforms and obviously huge impact and landed incorrectly at one point with her eyes open and she went completely blind and and so it's the latter half of that book is her learning how to do things and she's like yeah it takes me a while to get dressed but you know what she ended up diving the horses again and so her suits were different colors and she was like well you know what I can't see what colors these are but I'm going to put a button on the right shoulder of this suit, and I know that's the red one, I'm going to put a button on this one, and that's the blue one, and the red left hip, you know, and you just, the creativity, but I think if you get into the bitterness, woe is me, victim mentality, the creativity can't flourish there. So true. So let's
0: talk freedom in the literal. So did okay. you ever get your horse, and did you call it freedom? I need to know.
1: <laughs> Are you sure? It's going to ruin the ending. Oh, is it? So maybe I should ask this question last? I can. I can tell you. You just said, don't
0: tell you the ending. (laughs) I'm ruining it for myself. I want to (laughs) know. Go ahead. Spoil it for me.
1: (laughs) Okay. So no, I did not get the horse and I did not make it to the Olympics. And I honestly, from a swimming perspective, didn't really come close. I got what i thought was a miracle they reconstructed my arm i'm missing part of about an inch of my bicep and they rebuilt about 75 percent of my shoulder now i came back and i transferred i swam for texas a&m i swam trained with olympians i swam for a top five program i you know most people with that shoulder surgery would never get full use of their arm again and i did probably the hardest thing you could possibly do is just swim and so i absolutely lived a miracle in every sense of the word. I, I came back and I ended up missing the Olympic trial qualification, the meet where you qualify for the Olympics by a few tenths of a second. That was the end of my career. And I was like, okay, God, at this point, I felt like I was supposed to write a book. I'm like, this is terrible. Like This is not Hollywood ending. Like This is like this roller coaster all the way through and then it ends in complete disappointment. And so the whole point of the book is that what I started was this freedom journey, chasing this horse and chasing the Olympics. And what it ended as was, no, this is real freedom. Real freedom is not being defined by the world's circumstances. It's not being defined by what people told you you should accomplish. It's not being defined by your body and the limitations you have. Let me tell you, I know, I know I can look at you, Julie, in the eyes and tell you there is nothing else I could have done to have been a better swimmer than I was with the hand that I got dealt. And so You know, you could look back and be like, yeah, man, if you never tore your shoulder, you might be an Olympic gold medalist. Maybe, I mean, who knows, but that's that's not what happened. And I know that I did the best I could with what I had. And what's crazy to me- You did better than
0: the best girl. Like (laughs) you were, you were fierce. And I'm not saying that you're not now, but Mm -hmm. in terms of how you applied that fierce, competitive do or die spirit your swimming career i mean i'm impressed and i suspect that now that you have clarity of your purpose you're going to apply that same fierceness that same tenacity to everything else that you do right
1: yeah there's that it's also hard because i feel like the more that i grow with god the more i become a new creation and renew my mind I've lost a lot of those things and I read that book and I'm like, I don't have that anger anymore. And sometimes, you know, I'll listen to skillet or whatever. And just like, I need that intensity because I almost miss it, but I'm not that person in a sense. Now I will tell you, and for, for listeners, I mean, I qualified for nationals in triathlon and I'm training for that right now, even with a lot of stuff that my shoulder causes and going to the doctor and all of that. But so it is there. But yeah, I look at that, I'm like, it's a, I'm also a totally different person and almost grieving the loss of that in a sense, but it's better. It's better, right? Like you could have lost all these mobility things, but who's the person you're becoming? And are you letting this turn you into someone that you want to be? Because I could look back, yeah, maybe I could have won an Olympic gold medal if this didn't happen, but would I be the person I w- am today? Right. Probably not. Right. I mean, who knows, but I could have also turned into a really bitter, oh my gosh, this got taken from me and I should have had this and I should have had that. Or like, oh, what's the amazing plan that could happen here? So yes and no, as far as still having that, maybe a redeemed version of it.
0: Yeah, I like that. And I mean, when you're 12 or 15 or 19, emotionally, you're still, you still haven't reached the the pinnacle of maturity, right? So, looking at your circumstances through the lens of a 19-year-old brain, compared to a more mature brain, you have greater perspective, and you can, you know, you can look at things from a variety of different sides and say, "Oh, I, I didn't notice that before. I didn't see that before because I'm so focused on this over here. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of stepping back, and I have a broader perspective. Mm-hmm. And that broader perspective helps you to." make decisions about the person that you want to be and who you want to become. Right, And
1: I think the more you walk and see that and the longer you go, like for me, I just now have built up so many stories of God's faithfulness in my life that then I can start living with this, you know what? I like, what if this happens? What if this happens? And Christine Kane, I love, and she's like, stop living with this. What if faith? turn it into an even if faith, even if this happens. It's okay because I know, I don't know how it's going to work out, right? Like, you know, I read a book recently where he was like, it's so easy to watch a sports game when you know who won, right? And that's our life. Like, it would be so easy if you knew what's going to happen, but you don't. But if you have all of these instances of how things have worked out, maybe not how you thought, but still for your good, that God can work anything together for your good. then you're like, you know what? Even if, even if I never get this pain gone. I can still be used maybe in a different way, but, and I think it's that like building up those stepping stones of seeing that, but you have to hang in and wrestle to see that and get there.
0: Absolutely.
1: So uh, one
0: last question and a half an hour goes by so quickly on these things. I'm probably going to have to extend the show to an hour. (laughs) (laughs) So far these half an hour interviews have been going by way too quick, but let me ask you this. If you could give one piece of advice, to people who are struggling with recovery from an accident, dealing with chronic pain, the the chronic insomnia, the PTSD, you know, all of the different aspects of what comes with a major injury. What one thing would you suggest to them to help to improve the quality of their recovery?
1: This is twofold. And so from my perspective, obviously, listeners know that I My faith is everything to me. So coming from that perspective, I believe that God heals people in the way that brings him the most glory and that brings us closest to him. And so what I would say is fight for your healing, ask for your healing, you know, seek doctors, seek, use oils, go get prayer, do all of those things. But at the same time, I think the thing that can bring you the most profound peace is surrendering to God's healing for you and saying not my will but your will and regardless of what that is i 100% have seen it believe that god still heals miraculously but i think so much pain can be caused from different things you know people saying well you don't have enough faith to be healed well that's not true that's putting it all on you and not on god and so i the way that i've seen the most freedom freedom podcast come to people is saying, God, I'm going to ask you for my healing. I'm not going to just sit back and not do anything, but I'm also going to surrender and not lean on my own understanding and say, Your thoughts are higher than mine. And then, like, it takes the pressure off of you, right? To say, You know what? I'm going to give this back to you. This pressure is not on me. This weight's not on me. You can carry this. It sounds, you know, just like pulling your fingers off one at a time, right? But it, I, that's how I have seen for sure freedom. Yeah.
0: And some people will say, well, that's kind of hokey or whatever, but from a therapy perspective, I talk to my clients about this all the time. Proverbs three and five and six are probably, is probably my most favorite verse in the Bible because what it's saying is you can't trust your feelings. You can't trust your feelings.
1: The heart is deceitful above all else. Feelings
0: lie all the time. When you say, I don't feel like anybody cares about me, that's a lie. I don't feel like I'm capable of doing anything that's a lie. I don't feel like I have a purpose that's a lie. You know, like when we dwell on those feelings that are lying to us constantly, that drives us into a place of depression. It drives us away from the healing that is purposed for us, right? So if you if you can get yourself to stop trusting those lying feelings, right? And then just like you say, just surrender. I'm going to I'm going to accept that this is God's will, like, if you're, if you're a person of faith, you're gonna say, you know, I'm gonna accept that this is God's will for me. If you're not a person of faith, then, you know, a lot of people will say, well, this is, you know, this is the design of the universe, however you wanna put it. But to surrender into acceptance and say, I accept that this is where I am, I'm gonna do my part, and I'm going to believe the rest is gonna work itself out. That is just, it's, it's, what's the word? It's a more peaceful position then one where you're, you're constantly allowing those deceitful feelings to come in and say, you're never going to, it'll always be this way. You know, like just those things will just wear you down to the point where you are. Yeah. In fetal position, curled up in the corner, rocking back and forth and thinking, this is it.
1: (laughs) Can I ask you a question? sure I know this is backwards flipping it on, but (laughs) since this is your specialty, I'm curious if you see in our world, that I think part of this issue is the fact that truth is becoming relative and we don't have real truth and so therefore my feelings are truth and if I don't feel like anyone cares about me then that must be true because that's my truth and own your truth and you do you boo yeah
0: yeah do you think
1: that's, that's part it. of it I would have to say yeah it's you
0: know like I do believe that we should own what is ours right do to use that language, own your truth, because that just feels so, I don't know, too trendy and a little icky for for my liking. Um, But I do believe that we have to work. We have to do the work of discovering who we were created to be, what our purpose is in Christ, right? Or in the whoever or however we came into this planet, there was a purpose for us. And so once we get connected with who we were really created to be, you know, before the trauma, before the abuse, before the accident, before whatever that life-changing moment was that threw you into depression and threw you into PTSD, when you get a hold of who that person is, then when you start to unpack the trauma and you start to make sense of the accidents, then it's like, oh, I... I know that's painful, but I also know that God created me for a purpose. And so even though this painful thing is happening, I know who I am, right? And then when you have relationship issues that stem out of the pain and the depression and the recovery, you can go back and say, you know what? I know I responded that way, but that was the trauma me. Now I'm going to respond the the authentic me, true me. And now I can start healing those relationships and I can start building on them and I can start reaching out and doing the things that I was purposed to do. You know, I really believe that instead of seeking to own your truth, people need to seek to find out who they were created, who God intended for them to be. And when they find that person, then they can start living a really congruent, authentic type of life. Yeah. All right, good. All right, so can you tell people how to get their hands on this
1: yeah so it is available on amazon barnes and noble all of those places and then if you want an autographed copy sometimes it helps me i still have a few more than a few copies uh from some mishaps that happens. so that's on my website tarabradham.com and that's an autographed copy that i will send out to you as well and we could do a discount code for them if you want we can set that up sure, after
0: if you want to do that Yeah, we can sort that out and then I'll make sure that that gets put in the captions on the video and then I'll make sure that it's also included in the caption for the podcast
1: too. make freedom, the discount. I don't know what it is, maybe 20% off or something like that.
0: Okay, sure. We can work that out. Any last words for our
1: listeners, Tara? It is for freedom that Christ has set you free, right? Do not be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. There is freedom for you. That's what I would say.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Tara Bradham Denai. Amazing conversation. I'm probably going to ask you to come back.
1: Aw, I loved it. Thank you.
0: (laughs) When I I morph this show into a one-hour program, probably season two, I'm going to ask you to come back and let's have another conversation. I would love that. I'm just so intrigued by your story and inspired by your story. I love, uh, just a little bit about me, I love... I love reading stories of adversity and resiliency and, you know, the comeback, but also that the way that you have woven your faith story into the, into the book, I think is really important too, because it's really hard to make a comeback when you're on your own. And, but when you have a good circle of support and you have your faith and you have that belief that God is kind of there, you know walking alongside of you and carrying you in those moments when you can't walk at all. um, That makes such a huge difference. And I love that your story is out there and impacting lives. And I'm so grateful that you were able to be on the show today. So thank you again. And that's it, everybody, for Freedomology. Our 30 minutes is up. (laughs) And uh, I will be back again soon with another episode. And I will see you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedomology. Please reach out to me. Let me know how you're enjoying the show. Do you have any suggestions for us? Any guests that you'd love for us to interview? You can share your feedback, thoughts, and comments with us on our Instagram page at leverage underscore you. That is leverage underscore you. While we appreciate open, honest communication, we please ask that you keep your comments respectful. We look forward to continuing the conversation with you. Until next time, this is your host, Julie Christensen, saying farewell, be well, and live well. Thanks for listening to Freedomology.